0: Well, are y'all ready tonight? Yeah. It's going to be a good, good, good night. I'm ready, ready, ready. We're going to talk about my favorite subject. Faith. 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 Yes. Yes, 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 yes. So uh, you got your shouting clothes on. Yes. If you didn't, next time you come, go to the store and buy you some shouting clothes. <laughs> so that you can always shout. Okay. And uh, because it's a good thing. It's a good thing. Well, what I want to talk tonight about is just basic faith. And I want to talk about releasing our faith and having faith and, and still why people are not getting things. And, and we're going to do some things about it. But the title of my message tonight is faith takes back what the devil has stolen. That's what the title is. So are y'all ready for it? I like it. I like to take anything the devil took from me and stomp him in the ground. And, you know, that's like Brother Hagin, you know. It was the dumbest trick he ever tried to pull was to make Brother Hagin sick. Because look at all the people he's ministered healing to and faith to because he did that. Well, it's the same thing with me on marriage. He tried to do some things to our marriage when we first got married. But look at all the people we've ministered marriage stuff to over the years. You know? So he's a loser, loser. He's a dumb loser. Dumb loser. Because he don't know who he's messing with a lot of times when he does that. So uh, we're going to get him back tonight here and on the Internet and stuff. So turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews 11.1 and... My first point for you, so that you can, if you take notes, you might like it this way. Faith is where? Where is faith? Faith is where? Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is King James. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not That's where faith is. It's not seen. You can't see it. That's how you know you're in faith. Because you can't see it. If you can see it, you ain't in faith. Do you understand that? If you need wisdom and you don't have it yet, then guess what? You can be in faith. Maybe you're not in faith. I'm not going to say everybody's in faith that's needing wisdom because a lot of people are not. But if you're believing him and you haven't got your answer yet and you're standing, then you're in faith. Okay? Or uh, healing, same thing. If you've had symptoms in your body and you're you're standing and you haven't seen it yet, you're in faith. Same thing with your money. You've been making all your confessions and you've been saying the right thing and you haven't seen it yet, in faith. Let me read you a couple of other things. I think you'll see it clear. The NIV says this. Now, faith is... Being sure. Say that with me. Faith is being sure. So you are sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. I put yet after that. I put, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see yet. Because if you're in faith, you're going to see it. So what we don't see yet. Yet. The We says it this way. It says, now faith is the title deed of things we hope for. And the proof of things, what? Not being seen. Not being seen. Now, what happens to a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a majority of people that don't get things? They are convinced of what? They are being sure of what? They ain't getting it. That's what happens to a lot of people. They are being sure that they ain't getting their money. They ain't getting their healing. They ain't getting their answer. They ain't getting their wisdom. They ain't getting their marriage fixed. They ain't getting their job. They ain't getting... They're being sure of that fact. Do you understand that? It doesn't matter how long you're believing for something. So long as you never quit... Right. So long as you never quit, mm-hmm. okay. You don't like to hear about me, right? No, we like. To. <laughs> okay. Okay. Most of you know this. Many years ago, but the official diagnosis came a couple of years ago. Doctors saying and confessing over me that I had MS. Do you know, never one time did I say I have MS? (laughs) Now, there's been a lot of days where it's been not seen. Do you understand that? There's been a lot of days where it seemed like I didn't have my answer. There's been a lot of days where it seemed like I wasn't healed. There's been a lot of days where you would hurt or a lot of days where you couldn't do what you wanted to do. But you never say, I can't do this, I have MS. That's right. Do you hear me? You never say, I can't do this, I have a bad heart. You never say, I can't do this, I have this physical problem that keeps me from being able to do this. Or, I can't do this, I don't have the money. Do you understand this? You never say that out of your mouth. Because so long as you are a faith person, you ain't buying into the devil's stuff. Just because he tries to sell you that report, you need to make a decision clearly in your heart. Being sure. The NIV, put it back up there on the screen. Now, faith is what? Being sure. Being sure of what I hope for, and certain of what I haven't seen yet. Now, if I saw that I never had another symptom in my body, then what would I need to be in faith for? But I am absolutely sure that I'm healed. There's no confusion in my mind about it. There's no confusion in my heart about it. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I do things that you're not supposed to be able to do. Now, you have to adopt that same mentality in your heart and mind. What are you being sure of? That you're sick and you can't do this because you're sick? Or that you're broke and you can't do this because you're broke? Come on. Or you're weak? Or you don't have the answers? I don't know how to do that. Or I don't see my new house, so I'll never have one. Or I I haven't seen the most beautiful girl yet, so I can't get married. Don't let those things ever come out of your mouth. Just because you haven't seen them, if you're in faith, then that's what you are, is in faith. Die in faith if you have to. But don't ever say, I have that or I can't have that because of that. That is what faith is. And a lot of people get confused. They get real confused thinking that it hasn't happened in a day. It hasn't happened in a week. It hasn't happened in a month. It hasn't happened in a year. So I'm doing something wrong. I'm messing this up. No, that's what your faith is, is you standing and doing it. And you'll get the answer. Let me read you another story here. But that's why so many people. I'll read you another scripture here in a second. But that's why so many people are up and down in their life. Because they decide to get in faith today. Because something happened to them. And then it doesn't happen. It's like Keith tells a story. If you don't know it. It's out there on the table about us believing for a car. And it didn't happen by midnight. So our feathers fell. And whether you set a mental timeline on it and say midnight, or whether you just kind of think by now you should have it, it's still setting a time. And so your feathers fall when you don't get it by the time you think you ought to have it. But remember, Keith's been telling us a lot of times, a day with the Lord is what? So you ain't even been waiting a day for it. How impatient are we? We can't even wait a day for our healing or a day for our new car or a day for our new house. We're kind of impatient little things, aren't we? So let me read you this verse. Matthew 8, 5 in King James. Y'all are here, right? Okay, because we're headed somewhere. You know me, I'm heading somewhere. So stay hooked with me. Matthew 8, 5. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy. You know he was sick and tired of the palsy. Palsy is paralysis, in case you're wondering. He's being paralyzed. Grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. That was nice of Jesus, wasn't it? The centurion answered him and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. Now, that is kind of unusual. Most people want the preachers to go immediately to their house and pray for them. Or to the hospital. But listen what he said. For I am a man under authority. Having soldiers under me. And say to this man go and he goes. And to another come and he comes. And to my servant do this and he does that. When Jesus heard this he marveled. And he said to him that followed. Them that followed. Verily I say unto you. I have not found so what? Great faith in all of Israel. Why would he call that great faith? Because a person was able to take what Jesus said and believe it. He was able to take his word and say, okay, I just believe his word. I believe what he said. He believed that if Jesus said something, it was done. That's all it took was for him to say, your servant's healed. And the minute he said that, he believed in his heart, what? It's done now. Whether he saw it or not, he believed it was done now. That's why he called it great faith. And that's what we have to get to. Whether we see it or we don't, if Jesus says it, there's no question about it. If Jesus says it, what then? It is done. So say that with me. If Jesus says it, Jesus says it it's, done. it's done. If Jesus says it, it's done. It, it, it's done. It's done. Say it again. If, if Jesus says it, says it it's, it's done. done. We have to get that in our heart. Mm-hmm. If he said it, Then it's done. We don't have to wonder about it. We don't have to pray about it. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to ponder over it. We don't have to pay for it. We don't have to ask somebody about it. We don't have to go to the father about it. We don't have to talk to our spouse about it. We don't have to go ask the pastor about it. We don't have to do anything about it, except for say thank you. That's it. If Jesus said it, then it is done. done. So that's the biggest thing that we need to find out is what did Jesus say? Mm -hmm. What did the father say? What did Jesus say? Because Jesus only says what he sees the father say. So it's either what God said or what Jesus said. And if they said it, you should just be able to say it's done. Keith's given this illustration. Lots of times you've you've heard him say it. If I tell you I'm going to give you some money tomorrow when the bank opens, I'm going to go to the bank and I'm going to get $1,000 out of it and come by the church, pick it up, it'll be there for you. Would you trust him to do that? Now, say, Keith's not here. And he said, tell them if they'll come by tomorrow, I want to give them $1,000. Just come by the church tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Would you believe that? Sure, I'll be there. You'd be there, wouldn't you? Why? You don't see Keith. Keith is nowhere to be seen. Why do you believe it? Because you know him. Because you know him well enough to know that if he said it, what's going to happen? He's going to do it. You know him well enough to know. If he says, Chris, I'm going to pay off your house. Come to the church tomorrow. Will you be there? Y'all be there to get that? Yeah, you'll be there. You'll be there. Because you know, far as you know, he's never lied to you. Why shouldn't you believe him? Right. I know myself. My boss told me one time, he said... I'm going to buy you a new car. I didn't see a new car. He said, go to the dealership and pick one out. I went and picked it up. He hadn't done it yet, but he told me he was going to do it. And I believed him, and I went and picked the car out, and he did it. But we can believe people telling us things. Why can't we believe when Jesus tells us things? Amen. Just because we can't see him? We need to make a switch and we need to say, yes, I believe Jesus more than I believe anybody in the whole wide world. Brother Moore could forget. He had have a good intention, but he could forget and he could it, the money could not be there tomorrow. And I'd have to go over there and she'd say, oh, man, he must have forgot. I'll check on it for you. Maybe you can come back tomorrow. He's busy at school and maybe he just forgot to call us and tell us to get it to you. But do you know what? Jesus ain't going to forget. If he told you something, you can bank your life on it. You can count on it. It's done. He told him he's healed. So he he didn't wonder about it. Just say the word and it's done. Well, he told us a few words. So let's look at a couple of things. My second point is faith is when? Oh, you knew the answer to that one. Look at this. Hebrews 11:1 again. You knew the answer to that one. But look at it from a different perspective for just a minute. Let's read it together. Now, say it with me. Now. now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I always get tickled about this because every time I think about that verse, I think about another verse. I can't read that verse without thinking about another verse. In Exodus chapter 8, verse 8, you'll get tickled about it too. And you probably now will start associating the two after I tell you this. The Living Bible. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron... And begged. That means he's serious about it. For the Pharaoh to beg for something? Would you think he's pretty serious? I mean, he's the leader. He's the bad dude. You remember him, right? He begged and pleaded. Begged and pled. Why would somebody beg and plead? They want something bad now, don't they? For a king or a ruler or the leader of something to beg and plead? Mm -hmm. They want something done about it, right? Right. Let's keep reading. Plead with... No, back up, back up, back, back up, back up. Plead with God to take the frogs away. And I will let the people go and sacrifice to them. Now the next verse. So Moses asked him a question. Here's Moses' question. Be so kind as to tell me when, say when with me, when. when you want the frogs to go. And I will pray that the frogs will die at the time you specify everywhere except in the river. Now, guess what? Don't change scriptures yet. Guess when he said he wanted them to go. Wow. He begged and pleaded. So he must have wanted them to go now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now. You would think if you had frogs in your sink and in your tub and in your oven and in your bed and in your closet and in your clothes and everywhere you stepped there was a frog and you went to eat something and the frog jumped in your food and you went to do something and there was a frog. You'd want them to go away now, wouldn't you? Immediately now. But what did he say? Next verse. Read it with me Do it tomorrow Pharaoh says Now how dumb Is a person how, He should get a sign How dumb am I Do it tomorrow Pharaoh said Alright Moses replied It shall be as you have said Then you will know that there is no one Like our Lord Now, how long? Faith is now. It's now. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because I'm afraid, not really a real fear, but just a little bit concerned, maybe a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? Afraid. (laughs) That there's a lot of people in here like me. That has been like the Pharaoh that hadn't gone to God about something. And not only did they not go today, they didn't even go tomorrow. Mm. And they didn't go the next day. 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 They put up with stuff in their life for years. Like me. So I'm not going to judge him. Have you ever had anything in your life that bugged the pudding out of you and you just kept putting up with it? Yeah. Yeah. I remember one time Brother Hagin was having a healing line. And this woman came in the healing line because she couldn't walk. I think that's right. She couldn't walk. And um, he prayed for her and she got healed. And she was so excited. And she was walking and she was telling how she couldn't walk and she couldn't do anything because she couldn't walk. And, and uh, he asked her a question or two and how long had it had been and this kind of stuff. And he had to repeat it five times because she couldn't hear. So she couldn't walk and she couldn't hear. But he repeated it several times and said, well, how long have you been that way and what was wrong with you? And she couldn't hear a word he was saying. They had to yell, get in the ear and yell as loud as he could. And she was healed. And so he says... Don't you want me to pray for your healing, for your ears? And she said, oh, no, no, no. I can live with that. I just couldn't live without being able to walk. Now, that's how dumb we can be sometimes. We can live with that problem, but we can't live with this problem. And the same God that healed that problem could heal this problem. I mean, y'all ain't even all blonde. (laughs) I have an excuse. We do things like that all the time. We put it off and we put it off and we put it off. We don't want to do that. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. I thought about this too. In our lives, there's seasons. Something that you're doing now, you may not be doing 10 years from now. And something that you're doing 10 years from now you might not be able to do in 10 years from now. You understand what I'm saying? There's seasons in our lives. And if we don't take advantage, I know there's been people that I knew was supposed to come and work for us years and years and years ago. And they put it off and they lollygagged and they put it off and they lollygagged and they put it off and they lollygagged. We're getting things in order. We're getting things in order. By the time they got things in order, I didn't need them anymore. And there's been other people that, you know, they had symptoms in their body and there was things going on and they didn't take care of that and they just kept putting up with it and the things of God just went right past them. We're only good. Our expiration date on us is kind of like milk. We have one. Do you understand that? And in our lives, there's only so much of our prime time that we're able to do things. So we don't want to blow one day on not doing what we're supposed to do for the Lord. We want to take advantage of every minute that we have being able to do what we're supposed to do or whatever it is. So we don't want to put off our healing, or our money, learning to believe in for money or or whatever the situation is. So we're going to continue in this. My third point, on this is, you got the now. We don't want to put it off, right? Okay. Is faith takes it back how? How do we take it back? Luke, chapter 8, NIV, verse 43. You all know this if you've ever heard Brother Hagen. He teaches it from Mark 5. And there was a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. Verse 44. What's the first two words? What's the first two words? Say them. What's the first word? She. She came to Jesus. Now she was sick. But she didn't let that stop her from doing what she needed to do to get her answer. She came to Jesus. Do you know that a lot of people don't have miracles in their life? And why people don't have miracles happening in their life? Because so many people refuse to be, what the word says, instant, in season, and out. I'll explain. How did Jesus do the first miracle? He turned water into wine. What if the disciples or whoever was going get the water had been unwilling to go immediately and fill the pots with water? They were at the dinner. They weren't dressed right. They had to go find pots. They had to do this. They had to do that. What if he couldn't find anybody to go and fill those pots with water? Do you understand what I'm saying? No miracle. If they'd have given 62,000 excuses, there would have been no miracle. What about when Peter and the guys were fishing and he said, drop the net? What if they have just said, no, we're tired today. Our net's clean. We don't want to go fishing anymore today. Being unwilling to do something now, what would happen with their fish catch? Would there have been a miracle? A fish. So they had to do something now. 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 They had to be instant and do it now. What about when he was out preaching in the wilderness and, and uh, he had multitudes of people there and he had compassion on them and he wanted to feed them and he wanted to do it Now. now. What if he couldn't have found disciples or anybody that would have gone and broke the pieces and handed them out and done all the work there? What if they'd have been busy doing other stuff? Would there have been a miracle? Do you understand what I'm getting at? You have to be willing to be uncomfortable. You have to be willing to do instantly what God tells you to do. It doesn't matter what your plan is for that day. It doesn't matter what your plan is for next week. It doesn't matter what your plan is tonight, tomorrow. That's why last Sunday the baptism thing went so well. Was because everybody was ready to be instant and do what God said do. God is an instant God. What about when Peter went fishing to catch a fish? What if he wouldn't have went then? Do you reckon where that fish would have been in a day? What about when Abraham went and made the sacrifice? What if he wouldn't have went when God told him to go? I mean, I could just keep on and on. I have none of this in my notes. But what if all these people wouldn't have done what God told them to do when he told them to do it? Would there have been miracles in their lives? I mean, you can think of all the things you saw. Go back and look at the Bible about how 99.9% of the miracles happened. There was an instant word from the Lord. They did it when he told them to do it. And how he told them to do it, whether it was inconvenient or not. What if she would have waited till the next day to come out to meet Jesus? He could have been gone. And she would have been without a miracle. I just really don't feel like getting up and getting out today. Jesus could have been in a totally different town by then. We can miss out on what God has for us by not being instant to do what he tells us to do. We have to be willing to put all of our natural life aside and listen to this spiritual part. And we've been talking about that the last few weeks. We've got to be more God inside minded. And listen to what the Spirit is telling us on the inside. And you may be believing for healing. He may tell you to go do this. You may be believing for finances. He may tell you to go sow this into somebody. Or go down here and talk to somebody. And it may be a connection you didn't even know was in that store. But you have to be instant to do what He told you to do. In order to get the results that you're looking for. I think so often about us. And I think, what if we would not have been willing that year to go to Rama to camp meeting? Where would we be today? Where would our lives be? And there's things like that in everybody's life. God's telling people to do things. And they need to be ready to just, okay, supper's not done. The house is not clean. The kids are not bathed. This is not done. This, but God said, do this. So you know what? I don't understand it. And it just, it's not some megaphone telling me to do it. I just feel like in here, I need to do this. And do you know how easy it is to override those things? They'll just pass you right by. And the bad part of the passing you right by? What's the bad part about that passing you right by? You don't even know what you missed. You don't even know the miracles that you missed because you didn't listen to Him. That's the bad part about it. And if you have people around you that won't listen and do what you ask them to do, it's the same thing. That's why it's so miraculous. We have the best people in the whole wide world. Because they do. That's why we can have miracles. And that wasn't in my notes. So here we go again. She came up behind him and touched the hem of his cloak. And immediately, what happened? The bleeding stopped. Because she was where she was supposed to be. She acted on what the Lord told her to do. Mark 3. Mark 3, verse 1. King James. And Jesus entered again into the synagogue, and there was a man there that had a withered hand, and they watched him to see whether he would heal on the Sabbath day so that they could accuse him. And he said unto the man, which had the withered hand, stand forth, stand up. And he said unto him, is it lawful to them? So he's talking to the guys around in the synagogue. To them, is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they held their peace. And when he had looked around on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their hearts, he said to the man, Do what? He said to that man, Do what? He said to the man, Do what? But the man's hand was withered. And if you've had a stroke and your hand is withered and it's been like this up against your body for two years, five years, ten years, how are you going to stretch it out? He told him to stand up. He stood up. He told him to stretch out his hand. He stretched forth his hand. And his hand was restored just like the other. Because why did he do that? Because Jesus said, do it. it. If Jesus says, do it. it. If Jesus says, "Do do it. You may think with your natural mind. You may think with your heart. You may have 50 million reasons going on in your head. I can't do this. I can't do this. But if Jesus says do it, it. you do it. You do it. Because there's no way you can mess up. There's no way it can go wrong if Jesus says do it. It's going to happen. Mark 2, verse 1. And again, he entered into the Capernaum after some days, and it was noised that he was in the house. Jesus was there. And straightway many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. And they came in, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy. Now, what did we say sick of the palsy was? He was paralyzed. That's why four people were having to bring him. And he was born by four men. I'm assuming it's men. Didn't say men, but... I have to think about a story. Dave went off a cliff on a motorcycle, and um, I think it was probably 50 feet down. We were riding, and um, they sent the fire people, you know, to get him up in one of those basket things. We were down at the bottom of the cliff. It was, it was a bad deal. It's a miracle he's alive because it was a it, it, if you've ever been to Branson, you know it's solid rock. It's not like Florida here that it's sand everywhere. So there was this great big cliff, and he went off on a motorcycle and, and landed there and uh, there was a patch of grass, just I mean, it wouldn't be as big as probably from that plant to that plant to the front of the stage, that little patch right there. Every place else was solid rock. And the Lord laid him right down in that little patch of grass. Anyway, so we were there and um, there's about six great big men at the top of the cliff. And there's this new girl training. Now, let's see who I can see that's about beside This lady right here, stand up. I'm not kidding about this. The lady they sent, how many of you know who I'm talking about? Dave. You've seen Dave? They sent this lady alone to the bottom of the thing with that basket to carry Dave up the cliff with a pulley rope that they said would pull him up the cliff. You can sit down. So it wound up Keith and Mike and some others. I don't know that their theory was working real well. But anyway, I can't think about that except for it being born by four because, you know, every time I read that, I think about that. Anyway, they, they bore him by four, getting him up the cliff. And uh, anyway, sidetrack journey there. Um, anyway, let's see where I was. So they bore him by four and um, verse four. And when they could not come nigh unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. When they had broken it up, they let down the bed where the sick man of the palsy lay. And verse 5. Jesus saw their faith. Can you see faith? Can you see it on people? I know We've done over the years. I was asking Keith yesterday. I forget what he told me. I know it was over 30. I asked Keith how long we'd been in the ministry. You know me in numbers. I I forgot what he said, but it was over 30 years. And um, I know we've we've prayed for a lot of people over the years. And you know, you never ever, when you're in a healing line, you're not thinking about that person and who they are and whether they deserve healing or whether they've done everything right, or whether God wants them to have it. You're you're not thinking any of that stuff in a healing line. None of it. When you're going down a healing line, the only thing that really that you're doing is your spirit will pick up on stuff. Your spirit will pick up on, Lord, I believe this, I want this. Or, I don't really believe this, do something if you can. That's basically what you pick up on. You don't really, unless the Lord gives you a word of knowledge or something, you don't really know whether she deserves healing or he deserves healing or what their past has done. You just, when you're doing a healing line, you're wanting everybody to receive healing. But you do know, you know it beyond a shadow of a doubt. If that person's heart is wide open and just saying, God, I love you. I trust you. I want this. You paid for this. I want it. And any person that will do that will receive. Nobody that's really doing a healing line and loves God is standing there going through the line and judging people as they go through the line if they're doing what God told them to do. And Jesus, everybody He prayed for did what? Everybody He prayed for got healed. The only way you wouldn't get healed is if you didn't believe it or you didn't want it. Because that's what happened to the scribes and the Pharisees. They didn't believe it and what? They didn't get it. But if you go to God with an open heart and believe it and you need it, man, he's going to make, you give him the tiniest pinhead of a crack and he's going to flood you with healing. Because that's the way that he is. He didn't send Jesus into the world to judge the world, but to do what to the world? Save Save the world. Jesus saw their faith. When you're in a healing line, you can sense people's faith. You can see people's faith in the crowd here. You can see if people are hooked with you and they're not what they're necessarily thinking in their head, but you can see in their heart if they're buying this or not. That's right. You can tell it. You can tell if the crowd is with you or if they're like, I don't believe a word that woman is saying. <laughs> and if they don't believe what you're saying, then you're at a standstill. But if they'll have faith for it, then God can do more. Yes, yes. And the more faith a group has, the more God can do. Yes, yes. But if you've got half the crowd that are even doubting that God wants this done, then you've got problems. God and Jesus are not here every time that they see you looking to say, what bad did this one do? What bad did this one do? They missed it today. This one missed it today. That's not what they're doing. I think think about myself sometimes. And I think, you know, over my life, having a staff, having people working for me, I think, you know, some days I hate to admit it, but I've lost it. And I've got mad at people before when they've done something wrong. And maybe I've jumped on them. But you know what? I wouldn't want people that know me. To tell that about me. No matter how much they knew me, what I'd want them to tell about me is how much I love God. Or the things that I did for God. Even though I did have some bad traits about me maybe, I wouldn't want people telling those bad traits. What about you? Who in here doesn't have a bad trait ever in their life? They didn't ever do anything wrong. Raise your hand. Okay, how many in here has done something wrong? Would you want people to get up and tell that as part of your character, trying to tell people who you were? So why do people do that about God and Jesus? Maybe they have done some uh, things to have to straighten people out or correct people from going the wrong way or or to fix a situation. But you know what? It's not my job to tell that part of God and Jesus. If God wants to correct somebody or, or, God, or Jesus needs to deal with something, that's God and Jesus dealing with something. But it's not my job to show that side of God and Jesus you understand what I'm trying to say? I don't want people telling that part about me. Do you want people telling that part about you? Roy, you want people telling, maybe you mistreated Elizabeth one time in your life. You want people telling that story over and over and over again that you did something wrong? No, you want to tell how it is now and how good things are going now. You want to forget about anything bad. So why do people do that with the Lord? Why do we convince ourselves that the Lord, because of something that people have heard about him through some maybe uninformed person, think that God and Jesus are always looking at our faults? Do you understand that? They're not. If Jesus was going to look at people's faults he would have done it while he was here on the earth. And he didn't do that. He came here and he won as many people and taught as many people about how to get to heaven. Repent so you can go to heaven. To even told the woman that had five husbands, hey, you can get some living water. to her. He didn't even talk to her about her five husbands or the life she was living. That's not his goal. It's not what he likes to do. And we shouldn't like doing that. We shouldn't like bringing up people's faults or their mistakes. If they want to bring them up, let them bring them up. Our job should be to lift people up and encourage people. That's what will give them faith. And so Jesus saw these people's faith as they came in. And skip down to verse 12. You know, the scribes and and those guys. um, Well, he said he saw their faith. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. He didn't talk about what they were. Do you understand that? He just said you're forgiven. doesn't matter what they were. That's what you would want Jesus doing for you. He didn't broadcast it. He didn't tell it. He just said, your sins are forgiven. Verse 12. And immediately... He arose, took up his bed, and went forth before them all. Insomuch that they were amazed, they glorified God, and said, we've never seen it like this before. Well, it's the same with us. If we've messed up, what's going to give us confidence? Somebody just saying your sins are forgiven? Or are you standing there talking about how bad your sins are for the next 12 hours? Is that going to give you confidence? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. What's going to give you confidence is knowing that God loves you in spite of all your mess-ups. Jesus paid the price for you no matter how bad you messed up. And he saw their faith. And evidently they had messed up. But he didn't care. He healed them anyway. So guess what? If you messed up, you can be healed anyway. That's good news. If you messed up, you can be healed anyway. No matter how bad you messed up, you can be healed anyway. And we can see your faith. Can you say amen? Number four, faith has no excuses. No excuses. Great victories come out of great battles. I'm going to read to you now some times that people had problems in their life. I want you to understand that it does not matter if you have had this situation in your life a day, a week, a month, a year, 10 years, 5 years, 50 years. It doesn't matter. Faith has no excuses. Say zero excuses. zero excuses. Faith has no excuses. So, the first one, we'll go to Mark 5. We'll talk about that same lady, but we'll read it from a different place. Mark 5 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, how many years? Twelve, twelve years. Now, what if you had been bleeding profusely for twelve years? We had somebody here the other day that lost a liter of blood. They were going to put them in the hospital. They were going to do all these things and give them blood and do all this stuff with just one liter. What if you've been losing for 12 years? Would you be weak? Yes. Would you be tired? Would you be run down? Just not even losing the blood, but having to go to all those doctors. Right. That's wearing. 12 years and had suffered many things of many physicians and spent all of her money. And she was nothing better, but she rather grew worse. When she'd heard of Jesus and came in the press behind him, she did what? She touched his garment. She made no excuses. She did not say, I can't get out of the house today because I'm bleeding. I'm not even supposed to be around people. Do you understand that? She could be stoned. Because she had an issue of blood, she wasn't supposed to be around people. But she made her way through that crowd because she knew if she could touch Jesus, the hem of his garment, she could what? Be healed. Be healed. healed. It didn't matter how she felt. It didn't matter how long she'd had it. It didn't matter what the people said. It didn't matter anything she heard. She made no excuses. She got up out of that bed. She got dressed and she drug herself down there to Jesus and she got what? Healed. Healed. Because her faith was making no excuses. She found her way to her answer. She made no excuses. You know the rest of that story. Who touched me? Luke 13 verse 11. And behold... There was a woman that had a spirit of infirmity. How many years? What if you had a spirit of infirmity for 18 years and could no wise lift up? She was bowed over like this for 18 years. Would you begin to feel sorry for yourself? Well, you know she had to be talking about it and feeling sorry for herself. How did he know she'd been that way for 18 years? Because she's telling people, I've been this way 18 years. I can't even raise myself up. Nobody's helped me. I've just been this way 18 years. Well, she's feeling sorry for herself for 18 years. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. Did she go? Did she make an excuse? It didn't matter if she had to shuffle them little feet along. She got to Jesus. She didn't make any excuses. She got to Jesus and what happened to her? She said, he said, when Jesus saw her, he called her and he said, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. She made no excuses. John 5 verse 2. When you start making excuses, I can't go to church today. I just, you know, that old MS stuff, it just makes me feel so tired. I can't preach. Just wears you out. Makes you hurt. Guess what's going to happen? Excuses. When you start giving excuses... Why you can't do something or be something, what's going to happen to you? It's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse worse in your life. You don't have the money. Well, you can get the money. God's our source. Well, you are sick. Well, you can get well. Well, you don't know what to do. You don't have anybody to watch the kids. Well, you can get somebody to watch the kids don't start giving in to the devil's stuff. Don't start making excuses for why you are the way that you are. The minute, I can't lose weight. See, I know what I'm talking about. I did this to Keith. I got so mad at Keith. Oh, Lord. (laughs) It was my rebellious days. If you saw the pictures of me, I got up to 200 and something pounds. Rebellious. You'd say, Phil, if you said anything. I'd get so mad at him. If you love me, you'll love that fat too. <laughs> Defend that fat. Make excuses for that fat. I've done everything and I can't lose weight. Oh, keep saying it that. Yeah. Keep saying, I can't, I can't lose, I can't, I've tried, I can't. You can't. That was me. I'm not talking about you. Talk about me again. And as long as I said that, I kept eating all them honey buns and drinking them big two-gallon Cokes. And (laughs) At one point, I was up to like 12 Cokes a day. Then I went cold turkey. I don't even drink Coke anymore. I rarely, every once in a while now, I'll drink a, a root beer, maybe once a week, maybe once a month. I don't drink it anymore. I drink water. I mean, I quit cold turkey. I got tired of being fat. When you get tired of something, you'll deal with it. And you'll quit making excuses for it. But so long as you're not tired of it, you're going to make excuses for it. Whether it's fat or sickness. If you like pity more than you like healing, then you're going to be sick. If you like welfare more than you like money, then you're going to be broke. It's just that way. You can't make excuses for the condition that you're in or you're going to stay in that condition. You have to be looking to God. I don't care if it looks like he's 100 miles away. He can fast forward you. Just because he looks like he's that far away, he can amaze you at how quickly you can get there. When you start doing what he said, just because it took somebody else. Look at, I mean, and this isn't bragging. It's what the Lord did for us. When we started our church in Branson, we had over 500 people show up for the first service. Do you know how many churches that started 40 years ago that have 10 people in them or 100 people in them? When you do what he tells you to do, you you just do what he tells you to do. He'll instantly. Do what he, he'll grow, he'll heal you. He'll get money in your account. It doesn't take long. One millionaire, one, come up and hand Mike a check. That'd solve all your money problems, dude. But you gotta love God and what he wants more than you love your way. You can't make excuses for why you are in the shape that you're in and like the shape that you're in more than you like God's answer for it. you got to like his way out better. And I had to decide that I like the way skinny felt better than I like the way food tasted. And when you decide that about your healing or about your food or about your finances, you'll get out of it. Listen to another one. John 5, 2. King James. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind and halt and withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. And whoever then... After the troubling of the waters stepped down, they were made whole of whatever disease they had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity. How many years? 30. 38 years. So it doesn't matter how long you've had whatever you've had in your life. No wisdom, brokenness, a bad marriage, a sickness, infertility, whatever the condition is in your body. It doesn't matter how long you've had it. You can be healed of it, or the condition can change. You just got to decide what side you're on. And when Jesus saw him lie, he knew that he had been there now a long time in that case. And he said to them, him, will you be made whole? What did he answer? Yes, yes, Jesus. Jesus asked him a question. If Jesus asked you a question, will you be made whole? The impotent man answered, And said, sir, I have no man when the water's troubled to take me down and put me in the pool. I'm just here all alone. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody checks on me. I could be sick and just die here at this pool and nobody would even know it. Not even my mama checks on me anymore. Nobody cares if I'm sick. They don't send me any money. They don't even call me anymore. So I guess I'll just lay here on this porch till I die. That's a good way to just lay here on this porch till you die. Right? Was he feeling sorry for himself? Absolutely he was. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, what? Well, he couldn't do that. Rise up. Take up your bed and walk. walk. And immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And the same day was the Sabbath. He liked to do things on the Sabbath day just to irritate people, I think. (laughs) I think he had a sense of humor. He's kind of... Mark 9, 21. And another case. And he asked his father, How long has it been since this came on him? And he said... How long has he been this way? You can't be healed if you were born this way. There's no way you've had it too long. He must be a man now because he said he's had it since he's been a child. So if you've had something since you've been a child, you're just stuck with it. It'll be that way till the day you die. And oftentimes he's cast into the fire and to the waters to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And Jesus said to him, Mm -hmm. what did he say? If you can believe, All all, all things are possible to him that believes. Say that with me. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If I can believe... Say it with me. If I can believe, all things are possible to me when I believe. If I can believe, all things are possible to me when I believe. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And Jesus saw the people come running together, and he rebuked the foul spirit and said unto him, Thou dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you. Come out of him and enter no more into him. And the spirit cried and ran him sore, and he came out, and he was as one dead, insomuch that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose, and he was healed, even though he'd been that way since he was a child. couple more. John 9. We'll just read the first one. I want you to get the time how long these people have been this way and jesus passed by and saw a man which was blind from birth what if you have been blind from birth can you be healed if you're blind from birth what if you've had a problem in your body since you've been born can you be healed what if you've had it 10 years Yes. What if you've had it 20 years? Yes. What if you've had marriage problems 40 years? Yes. Can they change? Yes. What if you've had death, been deaf in one ear for 50 years? Yes. Can you be healed? Yes. What if you've never been able to eat this food? Can you be healed? Yes. Is there a time frame that you have to stop that you can't be healed? Ever. Ever, ever, ever. Once you've had it for 25 years, you're just stuck with it. No. No. You can be healed any time that all things are possible to him that what? Believes. 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 Acts 14, verse 7. And there they preached the gospel. And there sat a certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb who never had walked. Paul perceiving that what? He had faith to be healed. He said with a loud voice, stand up on your feet. And he leaped and walked. It doesn't matter in here if you've had something all your life. It doesn't matter if you've been prayed for 5,000 times. It doesn't matter if you've got in faith and got out of faith. It doesn't matter if you've gone to 6,000 doctors. It doesn't matter if you've spent all your money. The only thing that matters is if once and for all, only one thing, you will trust Jesus. And you know, okay, it's like this. If I could right now, we had a girl this week. I prayed for her several times. She she's a young lady, and she had a heart attack. And she had to have stents put in her heart. And I just kept thinking, Lord, if I could just get up in the bed with her and just healing power come on her, man, I would just do it in a heartbeat. You just love them and your compassion goes out to them. And you just want to fix it for them. You just want them not to have to go through that. And I know Edward, I don't know where he's sitting in here. I was thinking about him, you know, he's down in back there. I was thinking, he's been going on all these mission trips. And I was thinking, Lord, You know, you could pay for it now, but then as it gets bigger, would you be able to do everything that they needed done? You could give them money now, and your heart's to help them. You want to fix it for them. You want to be able to see them do everything that they're supposed to do. And there's people in here that they've had marriage trouble, one... It's just nonstop. And if you could just sit them down and wrap your arms around them and say, it's over. Here, it's fixed. Give them some wisdom on, on how to fix it. And then there's other people, you know. You know. You know their physical body conditions. They've got cancer. You know it's just a limited amount of time. And if you could fix it for them, you just would. Because you care about it. You just would. You'd do whatever it took to be able to fix it for them. Because you care about them. I've spent, I don't know how many hours, counseling people. I've given money to people. I've prayed for people. We've bought stuff. We've done stuff. I mean, over the last few weeks, months, I knew I was going to be doing these services. And I kid you not, the guys can tell you that's been around me, I haven't been out of my house I've been in my office. I've been studying and studying and studying and listening to the Word. Because your heart's desire is that people get what they need. It's that they get the answers that they're craving and that they're needing and that their homes are well and that their bodies are well and that they're, they're, they're getting closer to God and that they understand the difference between the spiritual and the natural. And you want to do everything that you can do to get it to them. And if I could, I would. It's like Keith has said sometimes, if you could take somebody's head and open it up and put stuff in it, or if you could take somebody's heart and open it up and put something in it, you know, you would. But we can only do so much. But God sent us somebody that did do it for us. He did care. And He did love us. Mm -hmm. He loved us so much that He did something that I could never do for you. Mm -hmm. He took stripes on His back Mm -hmm. so that you don't ever have to be sick again another day in your life. And he left heaven with all its wealth and riches, streets of pure gold, and came to the earth. And if you don't think he became poor when he left heaven, think again. Go and read in Revelations what it says about what heaven is like. The gates. Does anybody know anything about the gates? One pearl. Now, I like pearls. Keith bought me several strands of pearls, and I like them. But one pearl for a gate? And you think I spend money? (laughs) There's somebody up there that spends it better than me. (laughs) I don't even have fancy bathrooms in comparison to what's in heaven. Listen to what Jesus did for you Isaiah 53. Verse 3. This is the King James. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs. He did that for you. You don't have to have any grief ever again in your life. Grief means heartache, anguish, pain, misery, unhappiness, and carried. He took it. Your sorrows, your sadness. Your troubles, your burdens, your disappointments. Yet we did esteem him or count him stricken, injured, attacked, smitten, struck, beaten of God and afflicted, distressed, hurt, tormented. But, say, but, But. it wasn't for nothing. It wasn't for nothing. He was wounded for me. me. Say, He was wounded for me. He was wounded for me. For our transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities, my guilts, my crimes. That's why He doesn't care if you committed one. He was wounded for it. You just repent and you're fixed. The chastisement of our peace, you don't have to be tormented, was on Him. And by His stripes, Jesus said, I am healed. Jesus said, what did Jesus say to the centurion servant? Go your way. He is healed. healed. And he had great faith when he believed it. He's telling us we are healed. 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 Romans 10:13 says this. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word means sozo, which also means healed. Are saved or well or made whole. Whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be healed. 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 This is what I got on my heart. Faith is the most precious thing that we have. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith. And faith is just the most easiest, simplest thing to understand. And people have complicated it in their lives. But it is so easy to understand. Faith is you believing that Keith is going to have that check for you there tomorrow morning. That's it. You have faith in Keith. That's what faith is. If I tell you, stay after church, I'm going to give you a check to go buy you a new dress. Or cash. And you know anything about me. Will you stay after church? Mm-hmm. You better stay then. <laughs> That's the way it is with faith. Jesus said we were healed. Yes. He said if believers would lay hands on the sick, they would recover. He said if believers would lay hands on the sick, they would... He said if believers would lay hands on the sick, they would... Is he a liar? No. Can you believe my word or Keith's word more than you can believe his word? That's all it is. That's all it is, is believing that what Jesus said is the truth. That's absolutely all it is. He said... Believers will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now maybe you've had hands laid on you 15 times or 50 times. Or maybe you thought you'd prayed the prayer of faith or somebody else prayed the prayer of faith. But you quit after a day, after a week, after a month. And you didn't get your healing. Do you understand you can't quit do you understand? It doesn't matter. It would not matter to me if next week my legs were in so much pain that I couldn't walk across the living room. You would never get me to say I'm not healed. It wouldn't matter to me because I know by Jesus' stripes I am healed. I know that. I'm sure of that. Now, maybe you had hands laid on you, and when somebody laid hands on you, you believed it for a week, and then all the symptoms came back on you. So you stopped believing. That's when you need to believe. That's when you need to be in faith. You don't change. You say, No, I am healed by Jesus' stripes. I am healed. I don't care what the doctor's report said. I don't care what mama said. I don't care what daddy said. I don't care what this pain is. I don't care what my head says. I don't care what my eyes say. By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. And you may be laying in the floor holding your head. Your head's hurting so bad. Through the pain of the head, you get up and you say, By Jesus' stripes, I am healed. I'm in faith, Mr. Devil. And you do that very long, and you're going to wake up one morning, and you're going to realize, wait a minute, wait a minute, it's been a while since I've had any symptoms. Wait a minute, it's been a while since anything's attacked me. Wait a minute, I can't remember when I've had a symptom. And it's going to be gone. But don't kid yourself in that faith is just something that, happens. Faith is you don't see it. Do you understand that? Now, this is what I have in my heart that we're supposed to do tonight. Jesus is the healer. Amen. Amen. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Right. And if he said you were healed, I believe his word. Yeah. I'm not word. concerned about that fact. But the thing that I have to know is that you trust Jesus. Yes. That's it. Don't think about that little word faith. Just think about, I love Jesus. Jesus, you love me. Thank you for my healing. That's, right. That's it. That's right. That's, that is the extent of it. It's not complicated. That's all you got to do. You're going to expect that $1,000 check. You just expect your healing. That's it. That's all it is. It's not hard. It's the devil planning thoughts in our head that make fear come in that makes it hard. Faith takes back was the point of our message tonight. And I want us to take back some of the things that the devil has stolen from us. So if you're in here, and you, like the man with the withered hand, Jesus is going to tell you, I know him. It happens every time. He's going to tell you to hear. He's going to tell you to talk. He's going to tell you to bend over. He's going to tell you to run. He's going to tell you to shake. He's going to tell you to bend your elbow. He's going to tell you to stomp your foot. And that's all you have to do. Just like he takes that $1,000 check out of my hand. (laughs) She takes that dress money out of my hand. You take your healing. I take it. Okay, I got it. And you just take it inside of you just that very same way. That's all it is. And the devil's going to immediately come to your mind and he's going to say, you didn't get nothing. But you do what he told you to do and you'll find out real quickly you got something. There's going to be miracles happening in this place. I know, I already saw it. Already saw it. There's going to be things happening in here. Don't resist what the Lord tells you to do and do what the devil tells you. You got it? Stand up on your feet.